Hey, welcome to The Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm your new host. What? I would say new and improved. Ooh. Mm. I'll take it. Um, it. I'll take it. Is that a jab and I'm, at Mulder? It is a little bit of a jab at, at, at Mulder <laughs> and his incessant nattering on, I don't know. He's actually a great guy, John Mulder. He's just not here right now. Mm. And Daniel, vacation. Daniel, you have flowier hair than him. This is true. That's true. This is true. Can you, why, why all the flow? In the hair well, is my first question for you. I, uh, we should ask questions of Daniel. Sure, yeah. Is Daniel? Would we say that Daniel is is a more representative millennial than you, Greg? I think that's fair. Okay, so we have a millennial is in the that house, the, the like a real one. Jeans at the knees is that what makes? Well, Daniel, would you say that's fair? Well, I think I'm, I'm quite a millennial here, yeah. okay. and uh, you know, I just a quick like, like to say I'm joined around the table by Greg Harris. Thank you, Paul Siemens. Hey, Jeff Bucknam. Doctor Jeff. Doctor Jeff. So, um, you've you, adopted some Andy Steiger hand movement. I have. Uh, you have. Dude, I have. A, He's rubbed off on you. And saying things like, I think you'll appreciate this. Let me suggest to you. Let me challenge you, which I think you'll appreciate. And now let me suggest to you this suggestion. Mm. As I suggest it, I want you to be challenged. In let me su- suggest to you. In the suggestive power. Brothers and sisters. Yep, that's a good we one. We can meek it. <laughs> We're going to make a great podcast today. There you go. Well, I'm excited to be hosting. and We're you know, excited for you to be hosting, except I have some questions about millennials yes, for you. Yes, and I have some answers, and I have a special guest I want to okay. bring out to you guys, too. So my first question wow. about millennials, because you're my representative millennial, okay. is uh, how can you guys live with yourselves? <laughs> Sorry. Through, through lots <laughs> of self-deprecation. <laughs> Are millennials like the most beaten down group of people around these these days? Yeah, it's easy. It's easy practice. Easy target practice. Listen, right now. I think when I was in Hawaii last year, I was I was on the corner and there was this guy. I think he was drunk as a skunk, but he came walking down the road and he's like, "Those stupid Generation Xers." Wait a minute, that's, that's the problem. That's me. Uh-oh. And then he came up to me and he looks at me. And he's like, problems. "Are you Generation X?" And I just looked at him. He's like, "No, you're too young." And he walked away. What is it? It's Gen X, and then what? Gen... Then Millennials. Millennials, then Gen Z. You guys are called Gen Y. Gen Y. Millennials are called Gen Y. So what are they going to do after... I think it's Gen Z. World's over? World's over after Z? I think you should be the one who comes up with the next term. Well, it's going to be our generation that comes up with the next term, isn't it? Gen AA. And then... Mm. You know, like how the rows... Jenny. And like a, in a like a oh yeah a stadium, a, like right? a BC place yeah let's yeah. like go from Z mm-hmm. to double A then double E then double mm-hmm. C well well I heard you guys chiming in I don't think in. that that's a very good Greg you know what I don't think we should put you in charge of this <laughs> mm. <laughs> you had one job <laughs> and you came it? up with double A I thought it was okay <laughs> after Z what are you gonna do after that so millennial well, we have an idea we want to kill though oh your eyes We're coming wow. Here. We also should note, note that at the beginning of our podcast today, Paul Siemens has decided to eat his two-day-old uh, beef jerky mm, mm. that he bought from Rempel's Meats. You bet. He said that he went by Rempel's Meats to buy it specifically. He didn't go in there to buy mm. some sort of other cased sausage. Well, no, I, but farmer you, sausage and beef jerky. Do you often shop at, at Rempel's to buy this? Uh, we often stop at Rempel's, yes. It's very convenient. It's on the way home for us. Is Rempel's so is Rempel's like an Abbotsford hidden gem, like a locals haunt that most people who move here do not know yeah, that's fair. about. That's fair. Yes. What are the other? Because it's location, right? I mean, on Downs Road, it's not. You don't get foot traffic. Yeah, it doesn't what? really pop out at you when you drive by it. No. What I, I went in there once, and it, it it smelled an awful lot like a slaughterhouse. <laughs> 
Well, yes, and you'll see, like, like when I went in there on Saturday, the the pig was hanging by a hook yeah, they're from like, the ceiling. So yeah. you're like, do you have any? Is. Do you have any farmer sausages? And they said, well, just wait a minute. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, they're squealing in the background. Yeah. Um, so, what are the other, in your opinions, because uh, because mm. Daniel, you grew up in Abbotsford. That's right. And Greg, you grew up in Abbotsford. Yes, sir. And Paul, you grew up in Abbotsford. Yeah. What are the other hidden gems of Abbotsford today? Hidden gems. Well, hidden gems, hidden. Hidden, hidden it's not hidden, but I still maintain that old hand coffee is the best oh, cup of coffee you can get. Mm. So are you are you making that comment based upon the coffee? Yeah. Okay. Not not the decor or no, the no, no, feel no. of the place. No, okay. No, Cuz I've been in old hand coffee and I, I I'm not a coffee You don't drinker. like the chairs. I'm not a coffee drinker, and I just think my. So you just went to like all the garage sales in the city and got all the stuff mm-hmm. that you thought, oh, this would be cool. The school so chairs the from decor, like 1998. Okay. The elementary school Those, chairs. That's where they got them from. I'm pretty sure. Really? I they look so. like the ones that we used to have at South Abbotsford growing so up. So old hand coffee is a. Uh, I think, a, is I a think local best haunt. cup of coffee. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Better than Starbucks. Yeah. Yes. So why is it, is it better cup of coffee than Starbucks? Because uh, Starbucks is ubiquitous, meaning everywhere. It's it's common. No, it's better because it takes longer to so make. So when, when, okay. Well, and when, um, I have a friend that's a roaster. He roasts coffee and he says, um, when you look at the beans, if they look oily, he's like, that means they've been roasted a long time ago. And so whenever you open a bag of Starbucks beans, they haven't had this oily look to them, usually. Mm-hmm. But if you buy them from... Old hand, wherever they get them. I don't know what the brand is. Yeah, Bows and arrows or something know. like that. And you open it up and they, they're very dry looking. They haven't. So it's a recent roast. And so when you grind it and you uh, brew it, then you generally get a better flavored. So it's not old. Do you think that uh, that this business idea is one that you guys could go with? OK, just just think about for a minute. Dream with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rempels and old hand Ooh. together. Yep. Mm. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what like would one you, would, would be you call o- it? one would be oily salted meats, mm-hmm. and the other one would be dry could, unsalted coffee beans. You could call it brews and boars. Ooh mm-hmm. man! Mm-hmm. And you could we'd have would there be the pig hanging from the ceiling still? Yeah, I think that actually that's that's what I think that's what or old they brew the coffee is, is in actually the pig. dead animals hanging from the ceiling. Slow roasted coffee mixed with fast mulched up pig meat <laughs> that slaughterhouse feel is what <laughs> is what's going to put them over the top now the jerky's slow that's slow smoked takes so a the, long time okay is there another is there another uh, uh, local haunt hmm. that you you Abbotsford natives would would recommend to all those listening some people listen to so our podcast who who are new to our area and they're thinking to themselves man I just want to know where the where the hidden gems are. So One my more. favorite, our favorite stop for produce is Nature's Pickens. And why is that? Which is over by Costco. Um, well, when you go to the big supermarket, it's by Costco. It's close to Costco. Really? Mm-hmm. I I didn't know. You that. know where the the cow farm is? Where there's the sign that says? Oh yeah, the eco dairy. Yeah, right beside. Oh, okay. the, it's part of that yep. system there. Um, when you go to a supermarket and they're they're produce just isn't generally very good. They have a lot from Mexico and a lot from other places where it's just, it's not as fresh and stuff. So Nature's Pickens, when it's local time, they have a lot of the local stuff there. 
What about uh, yeah, what about really Wong's? Good. Oh, Wong's is good. Yep, for Wong's sure. Wong's is good. It's on the yep. other side. It's the other side of the other valley. Mm-hmm. Up kind of near Matsqui there. Yep, mm-hmm. Wong's. You get great deals. No, uh, no frills there. I got I got two restaurants on my mind. Mm-hmm. One Bramble's Bistro. Okay, oh. so I've seen signs for Brown's Road on Downs Road. Yep. Very good. Yeah, it's a little uh, fly heavy at certain times of yeah. the year. It's so, on a farm, so there's a lot of flies around. But that's like, just the way that's life. excellent, excellent food. Yep. And oh, what's your other restaurant? And the other little little local spot. It's in. It's at just outside of Abbotsford. It's called Olive Garden. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Have you heard man. of that? <laughs> so we were in uh, San Antonio and we were at a, Mex- at a Mexican restaurant, which is a pretty good little restaurant. Yeah, it's great. And we asked the waitress to give us like the the really good local spots, something no one else is going to get. Same question I'm asking here. Yeah. Do you know like some place that locals would really love that would, not everybody knows about, yeah. but that you just like we said we Share were from, it with us Canadians. Yeah. We said we were from Canada. And her response was Olive Garden. She said, have you heard of Olive Garden? <laughs> and with a straight face, she said it. Yeah. And, and I think all. we mostly didn't laugh at her face. No, but we thought, oh dear. But then we realized it's probably not the best source of local knowledge. No. Nope. No. Fascinating. For, uh, the, um, on Mount Lehman, there's a restaurant called, uh, right across from the auto mall, called uh, Vila Palace. Oh, yeah. Vietnamese food. Great stuff. You go on TripAdvisor, they're like the oh, number Greg's, two. Greg scrunched his nose at that. They're the number two restaurant in Abbotsford. Really? TripAdvisor. Yeah. No, I'll give, like, yeah. Broder's Bistro is kind of the big hop and popular spot these days. I've heard. Uh, I haven't tried it. It's pretty good. I've heard it's good. Good sandwiches there. They got this great buttermilk chicken sandwich. All, all, all of a sudden, one day, they were like, you know what? Let's add $5 to everything on the menu. Yeah. No, they're expensive. We're at Broder's. Now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, from, our, from the millennial now. Do you share share with us some of your millennial wisdom oh. regarding the the the, the, the Gran- local haunt? Is it Granny's Market? I'll tell you what the hidden gem of Abbotsford is at the Save on Foods, and this is the only Save on Foods in Abbotsford that at does Save this on, foods. on South okay, Fraser Way. This is the hidden gem. This is seriously this is hidden. Okay. The only Save on Foods on South Fraser Way. Mm-hmm. They have in their chicken selection tandoori chicken. That you mm-hmm. can buy and take. Like and at the deli? At the deli. Yeah, where they have all the other chicken and it's like, they have this one marinated and sitting in packages. There's two different types. It's like a lemon kind of herb one and an mm-hmm. actual tandoori. There you go. And I took that up to Wake Festivus this week and that's literally all I ate. So I, I ate just go. chicken. Wow. If, so If you go buy the tandoori chicken from, uh, from Save on Foods... You can thank Daniel, the millennial. Absolutely. And you can thank the millennial for the hidden gem of Save on That is the hidden gem. And uh, you're welcome for that one. That one's Mm -hmm. free. And if any of those businesses want to sponsor this podcast, you You can't. You can't. can't. (laughs) We're not for sale. We're not for sale. Like that. Although if you want to provide us food like like that, we might mention. Look, we we are here to serve the listener is what we're here for. For not Mm. Not to get any extra points with the corporations out there. The, the fat cat corporations like Remples. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've bantered that to death. Have they, have they changed their sign since the 70s? An, oh, I think before that. <laughs> it's an old sign. It needs a repaint. That's good, though. If somebody wants a community work project, maybe offer to go paint, <laughs> repaint their sign. Wow. All right. Well, friends, this is, or some, not. This is some good radio. And this uh, is a, It's not radio. Just say no kind of is <laughs> okay i want to mention something here we had a another thing from another millennial here mm. and they they were talking about you guys talked about barney the last couple of weeks oh yeah 
and how that's uh, you know attributed to the millennial generation and whatnot. And uh, we got a message in from someone who said, "Hello, pastors. I'm a millennial. I'm 27 years old. I'm a woman, and I loved Barney when I was little. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the happy songs, and most of all, I will admit." That I sing a few to my daughter, like Mr. Sun and Clean Up, <laughs> Clean Up, Clean Up, and Mr. others. Sun, Sun, Mr. Golden Sun. You know, sun down okay, go ahead, keep going. I do not, however, sing the I Love You, You Love Me song, and I, I found it annoying. And wow. I think mm. that uh, it's even getting annoying to thinking about it. So, um, you know, maybe she didn't buy in even at when she was four years old. Either way, she's saying <clears throat> she understands the societal issue of what we think, you know, that we're all special. And that millennials all think they're special. Okay. But she was saying, you know, she still supports Barney, is not ashamed of it. And I thought, you know, Greg, you mentioned that for 166 US dollars, you could buy yourself a Barney. And I thought, well, I dug in my little drawer. No. At home. No. 166 dollars. Oh my goodness, wow. you actually have one. Whoa, there he is. Does it speak? Hello again. <laughs> Where's Charles? So Barkley he's currently holding. Him? Daniel's currently holding an actual uh, little purple dinosaur. Uh, with he's got his own little little voice box. That's great. Oh my goodness! So here you go. He's our guest for oh today, and he's going to be. Is this yours? This was mine, man. I used to cuddle this thing when I was little. It would sing to me, encourage me. It is a little dirty. And look where I am now. I'm sitting at the big desk Bernie, with the big international. Can podcast. we ask him like? To answer a question, yeah, Maybe. I think we should. Barney, Later on. Barney, do you have some words of wisdom for us? He's got some word of wi- words of wisdom. With you. What? Oh, wow, he I loves love, podcasting with he us. He said, "I love playing oh. with you." Barney, what would you oh, say so is good. the is the primary cultural issue facing millennials in the world today? You are my very special friend. <laughs> he actually nailed it. You nailed right? it, right? Isn't that what you said? Issue. That's the issue facing millennials. They feel, they feel your alone. Identity. You're totally alone. Absolutely. You need Barney. You know, speaking of wisdom, boys, gentlemen here, uh, we, <laughs> he's talking. <Okay. laughs> you know, speaking of wisdom, Jeff, you have uh, begun a sermon series called Wise Up. Yeah. Wise Up, Wise Up. Do you want to. Is that an actual song? I think it's Rise Up. Oh, okay. the song. Why, why are we doing this sermon series? Well, you know, part of the reason is because we have a commitment to getting everybody in our church acquainted with the different genre, genre, <laughs> as some French people say, uh, some the the different genres of uh, of the scriptures and the proverbs. Uh, they're poetry, Hebrew poetry, but it's not something that we spend a lot of time preaching on. A lot of times you don't get sermon series on Proverbs because they're, even though they're really, really practical, they're too often short, they're really pithy and really short, although it's an ideal thing. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I got thrown off because Barney actually is now, has now become self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the floor making noises. Uh, anyway, uh, if this is the last words all of us here, because Barney has killed us all. <laughs> just, okay. Anyway, we're going to put Barney behind the, a closed Barney door. Was put away. And, uh, he's he's, okay. he's actually he's, locked into he's a room safe. now. He's in a safe space. <laughs> yeah. No, we're just trying to do the different genres of scripture. And one of the, th- like, it also, because it speaks of wisdom, and a lot of people wouldn't uh, know this, but the the book of Proverbs is actually talking about the the good life and the here and now. It does make reference to the place of the dead and Sheol and stuff like that. But it, for the most part, it's trying to give you advice on how to live well here, right? Um, and, and I think sometimes 
in churches we can get to the we can get to the the, the sense that all we're all we're talking really is about uh, act, actions that will lead to an afterlife and these sorts of things. Well, Proverbs is really a no, no. Uh, the best way to live, the good life, is had at at by honoring God in all of these very practical ways. And so there'll be lots. There's stuff in Proverbs that's really, um, actually, really straightforward. Even though said in poetry, like Proverbs five has got passage that talks about. It says, uh, "Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well." It's it's actually the 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 imagery there of the water is, is, uh, the wife's, um, sexual potency. <laughs> and the, the, the message is basically that your, 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 your wife is, uh, sexually alive and you should rejoice in her and her alone and not chase off after the ultra adulteress. And then two chapters later you get in Proverbs seven, this, the adulteress who's calling the name of the young man to run after her. And the Solomon says, it's a death trap, man. She's going to kill you. So like, okay, practical stuff having to do. So his point is like, you want to grow old, happy, uh, find a good woman and love her like crazy, my son. Right. And don't go running off to others to meet your needs. She's got everything you need. Uh, and then in other places, she'll talk about, uh, you know, the, the fool. I'm, I'm reading Proverbs 26 right now, and it's, it's just a whole litany of what the fool does and how he acts. And so you can learn things uh, by negative example there. Don't be like the fool. Hmm. Like parenting this next week, we're going to do uh, raise up a child in the way you should go and should not depart from it. So you get to Proverbs 31, which is a very famous passage, but talks about the noble woman and what she, what it looks like for her to live a noble here and now life. So anyway, so my point is it deals with all sorts of real practical issues, how you spend your money, uh, how you love your spouse, how you uh, live as a godly woman, how you live as godly men, how you avoid the fool, all sorts of stuff that's really, really helpful. And I, I hope it's helpful for our church to just go through it. I have a question. So off of that, when I think of Proverbs and I think of this book, are the things taught in it, are they guarantees mm-hmm. of things happening? Or are they more, is it more the trajectory, trajectory of, you know, if you live this way, this is the tendency of what happens? What do you guys think? Um, of course they're guarantees. <laughs> it has to be. It's in God's word, right? Hmm. No. That's not. Uh, I think if you were at the services on the weekend, you would have heard the intros to uh, Jeff's sermon, my sermon Sunday night, or probably Ezra's too. I, d- I didn't hear... Or no, did Matt preach over there? Glezos preached over no, there. No, Ezra. Oh, it was Ezzy, sorry. But uh, in the intro to the series, we talked about the nature of a proverb, and a proverb being a, what some people would call a truism. So this is something that is generally true. It's something that if you follow this, it will generally uh, lead to a, the good life for you. Mm-hmm. But these aren't guarantees. What it is is, uh, and when we look at the ones in scripture, they um, they lead us to the good life now. So a life of where we have good character, where we're thought well of in the community, where we are um, we're a blessing to our families, or a blessing to our neighbors, or a blessing to our children, uh, such as like Jeff was talking about the parents. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean like for instance. Um, when it talks about you living this way and you'll be prosperous, that you're going to get rich from it or that you will uh, stay healthy and never get sick. Although generally, generally, 
generally. That would be the case. Not not rich, but prosperous. Yeah. Yeah. That so if you want to live a prosperous life, and that's included in health and other things, there are, there are proverbs that. So I'm thinking about a particular proverb. Uh, like uh, pleasant words are a honeycomb; they're sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So I mean, this is an interesting little proverb, isn't it? I mean, you're t- basically being told that uh, that speaking kindly to another person have 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 healing power, and yeah, yeah, they kind of do, but not mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk. If somebody's got some sort of real illness. I could talk nicely to them, but it doesn't necessarily going to heal them, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it heals people like like honeycomb heals. It's you know that that it it it's there's a sweetness and it's a, there's a it's honey honey in those days was used as a salve in some ways and that you can get the image there that right. speaking well to somebody is actually a way to promote their well being. Mm. Not again general truth that we everyone when you hear it you should nod and go yeah actually that's pretty it's <laughs> actually pretty true. But it's not a guarantee. And this is one of the challenges, actually, in the Christian circles these days, is that you hear a lot of prosperity teachers take some Proverbs, and they end up taking them as guarantees. So if you follow this, God's promise that you will, do you see what I mean, have the good life, and the good life being material wealth. Uh, that's that's not what they are, right? right? That's not what they are. It's just yeah. a bad reading of the genre. Right. You look at, um, I just pulled out Proverbs 10, verse 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. This is generally going to be true. No, if you totally. work hard, yeah. you're going to earn uh, money for yourself. You're going to be able to support yourself and your family. And, and the flip side, if you don't do anything. And if you don't, things, I mean, right. you're go, not going to have any money. You're going to be laying. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> exactly. Consider its ways exactly. and be wise, Proverbs 6, which, you know, yeah. it, it'll say destitution will come upon you like an armed man. Yeah. So. Well, you even think of, uh, for instance, pro athletes that have had like millions and millions of dollars who have squandered it after they retire Mm. because they aren't, they're lazy about it. They just think, Oh, I can keep spending it by all the alcohol and the drugs and the prostitutes or whatever they're spending it on. And they're not playing anymore. So guess what? The money just runs dry. And then all of a sudden they're working at Starbucks. Yeah. Mm. So truisms. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the answer to the question. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more on that. We get lots of questions emailed in to the Extra Podcast. And if you have a question, you can email, is it extra at northview.org? Mm-hmm. And we it. will hopefully get to your questions. One of the ones we have today is on the clarity of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I want to break into this topic. And the basic premise of this is this. Um, you know, Why is the Bible so hard to understand, even for sincere, devoted Christians who make studying God's Word their life's work? Why would an all-powerful, perfect God make the Bible so challenging for even them to agree on. You know, he has the ability to understand, to be understandable and to make it more understandable. And so then we get, you know, why are we having all these fragmentations within Christianity with, you know, Calvin, Calvinism, Arminianism, Molinism, and there's, there's debates that divide churches. And mm-hmm. so I guess the, the question at the end of this is, if the Bible is clear, and, and we claim that it is clear as Christians, um, why do we disagree on these significant issues? So I'm gonna, I'm actually going to jump in, and I, I it's a good question, right? There's no question that we disagree about a lot of different things. I, I will I, I do want to challenge some of the wording in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's not it it's not necessarily the fault of the Bible that we disagree. The Bible could be really clear. The fault is is could also be with us, right? Yeah. 
and the the presuppositions and the agendas that we come to the Bible with. Yeah. That we don't want the Bible to say certain things because it will challenge our lifestyle or whatever. I, I actually think that that's my answer to the question is, well, why do we disagree? Well, because uh, because we don't come as clean slates reading the Bible. And the Bible is actually pretty clear in its meaning, in its context. But when we play these little games to try to get out of what the clear meaning of the scriptures is, because we have agendas and everyone plays these games. Everybody does. So if you read a passage that you don't, so for example, and uh, I'm thinking 1 Corinthians 6, which says that you shouldn't, is it 1 Corinthians 6? It says that you shouldn't have lawsuits among uh, believers, right? So let's say you have this passage and you come to the conclusion that actually this passage does does prohibit lawsuits happening in, in secular courts among believers in God. Okay. Or not just believers, followers of Jesus. So part of the Christian church together and you, you can sue each other. So this passage seems to prohibit that. I, I've sat in rooms with people who want to sue each other and they come up with all sorts of weird readings. They go on the internet and they mm-hmm. find some guy who's clearly not um, lucid. He isn't reading the passage in its context. Some people will claim this historical background that doesn't really exist and say, well, actually, the courts were different in those days or whatever it is that they want to. But my point is, why is it that you're why is it that you're arguing against the passage? And the answer is because you want to go to court and get your money. So some of the very issues the passage is pointing out, in fact, it says in that passage, why not better be wronged? Right. That mm-hmm. it's challenging you, but you don't want to be challenged like that. And so as a result, you, but you also want to remain Christian kind of, and kind of say, I have a high view of scripture. And so what you end up doing is you play these games. We, we do this instinctively with lots of passages of scripture, right? If I'm, if I, if I am a gifted woman who's a teacher of God's word, and I have been brought up in a church that teaches that, that, uh, the role of, of lead pastor or the teaching teaching pastor in a in a church is, is reserved for, for qualified men or as a complementarian viewpoint. I there are there are forces inside of me that says no, but I want to be in that role and as a result of me wanting to be in that role, I want to find different readings of those passages that lead me to that. So that you have an agenda and you want to now I'm not listen, I'm not arguing whether or not complementarian mm-hmm. or egalitarian is right or wrong. I'm just saying that everybody's got on the flip side, you could say, well, tradition is pushing you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Into the complementarian view. My, it's, the, none of these issues have to do with the Bible, mm-hmm. though. The, like the words on the page and how they should be right. read in their context. These, all of these issues have to do with uh, presuppositions and agendas that we have, usually moral. We don't want to agree with what the scriptures have to say because it would end up causing us to change some of the ways that we act. And so... Yeah. The Arminian Calvinist debate. So, you, 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 you know, I don't like the idea, someone might say, that, that the Bible talks about election. So I'm going to redefine that. And I can't believe in a God who would be like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it. Anyway, do you understand? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think? Oh, this is for Greg here, Greg. Oh, do you want to add something else? I was just going to add this, that I, I think it's fair to say you guys can critique me if you want to. I think it's fair to say that the clarity of scripture, that that people, we agree on more in Christian theology than we disagree on. That we don't doubt the clarity of scripture on things like the the two natures of Christ. We, we, we say, actually, no, the scriptures make it clear that he was both divine and, and human. That, that seems clear. And Christians agree on that. So the issue isn't, I, I'm just 
saying that to, to reiterate the fact that the issue isn't the clarity of the scriptures. The issue is what are the cultural um, or, or personal influences or causes that, that are making me want to say this passage can't mean what mm. it appears to mean. Because Yeah, I think you have to even qualify that statement by saying that's taking it in the correct context. Right. Because then you'll have people that come along and say they disagree with those things. And they'll say they're Christians, but in fact, they aren't reading the Bible the way it was intended, the way that the original author intended, the way that clearly aligns with the rest of Scripture. They're taking their proof texting, they're, they're taking things to show that the culture is right versus traditional yeah. orthodox belief and orthodox uh, interpretation of Scripture. But, um, sorry. Yeah, my point is basically that I think we assume the scriptures are clear in the areas where there aren't any outside or inside causes for me to doubt it. Like, no one is doubting whether Jesus actually, like, meant what he said in the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. They're saying, well, no, it's clear. It's like, he actually, he totally meant it. That was the reason why he preached it. So we, we assume the clarity and the understandability on areas where it doesn't have as as um, much of an abrasive rub against our cultural or our own personal presuppositions that we come in with. And it's the doctrine of scripture that we hold is kind of the big thing that interprets all of this, right? Like for, uh, for those of us that hold to scripture being God's inerrant word, good for life and godliness and faith for those, those of us, we don't disagree, but for those who, are outside of that, who look at it more as, mm, this is some nice suggestions, then yeah, we're going to have some, we're going to have some issues. Yeah. Yeah. That you, you were talking about things like authority and, mm-hmm. and uh, inspiration of scripture. And there's lots of disagreements about those, but even those disagreements come regarding what, you know, people wanting to kind of bury what the Bible seems to clearly say, you know, when, when it says your word is truth. Mm. <laughs> uh, right. So we want to change that to mean something less because we don't like what the Bible says in some places because that means that we would have to bow our knee mm. to it. All I'm saying is that there that that the the critique that I would have about the clarity of Scripture and all the denominations and stuff, the critique is not God. It's not on God for His inability to communicate. Mm. Your critique mm-hmm. is on people who are blinded by their sinful tendencies yeah. to not want to listen to Him. Right. Because in any communication act, there are two parties. There's the one speaking and the one there's the one listening. Mm-hmm. I, I can be speaking to you in as clear tones as I possibly can. And you come to that occasion. And if you're if your heart is hard toward me, yeah. if you're unwilling to listen to what I'm saying in context, you're going to read it all over the place. And all of us has been in that situation before. Right. Where we find out later that someone we had a conversation with someone and they took us to meet something completely different than what we what we said. Mm-hmm. And we get so mad about it. And none of us at that point say, well, I must have failed in my my communication. Maybe that was the case because we're flawed communicators. Right. But most of the time, even us flawed communicators get angry because we're saying you weren't listening to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those of us have children. Yeah. Right, oh, and especially you see millennial children. We say, "What's wrong?" Misquote with? people and things like this, right? No, totally. Yeah. And they get frustrated because you weren't listening to me. And why did the mm-hmm. journalist misquote you? Well, because the journalist had an agenda. Yep. And his agenda is, or her agenda is, the one that they wanted to publish, and they were looking for for scare quotes to mm-hmm. to try to add to their piece. Yep. 
and not looking for what you had to say, but slotting what you had to say into their already preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. This is one of the challenges. This is one of the things that I think when we do Bible study in some of our sessions, uh, I, I will often ask at the beginning of a contentious issue, can we just all of us start by by admitting when we read a passage of scripture, maybe about a lecture or a passage of scripture about some one of these hot topics, right? Uh, so, so about, about having lawsuits with believers, what are our presuppositions coming into this? Like in, in Western society, what are the presuppositions we have? And one of them would be in that case, we're really litigious, oh. right? We, we like, we actually think lawsuits are a really great way to solve problems mm-hmm. in our society, right? Uh, we're also money grubbing. That's why we love lawsuits so much because that we're also pretty prideful people because we want to be proven right. And we think that the government should step in and demonstrate the rightness. And this is the system that they've put in place to do. You see what I mean? Like these are all assumptions that we have coming into it that maybe the author of that passage doesn't have. Right. Yep. Do you guys think that there's any particular issue surrounded to this that is very unique in Abbotsford? Like one that you see pop up a lot because we're in a Bible belt. There's lots of churches here. You know, Greg, you've been, you've grown up here and you have too, Paul. Is there any yep. ones in Abbotsford that you just see coming up again and again and again? Uh, er, regarding the unclarity of scripture. Sure. Certain areas. Um, yeah. Or like an issue that there's contention over that maybe someone had no idea there was and that there's been a history of that. I, I mean, I, I would say, uh, I mean, this is just anecdotal. Uh, I, I think most people in Abbotsford grow up with a assumed and not very well defined uh Arminian belief structure. I would say most MBs or most Mennonites. Yeah, sure. Most maybe most evangelicals, but I wouldn't say yeah. that in regard to the Dutch Reformed population. And there's quite a significant amount of them. So the reason I would say that is I, I think when when I read uh let's say internship applications there's a question on there that says, how would you um, understand the whole Calvinist-Arminian conversation? Divine sovereignty and human responsibility, and how do those two go yeah, together? exactly. Yeah. And mm. people will often say, well, I try to be both, but I lean more Arminian because I, want, because I think that people can choose their salvation. That, that's basically almost verbatim what most people will write. So what am I saying there? What, what I'm saying is that I, I think that's an area that people will say, you know what? The scriptures don't seem to be very clear on this whole issue of like, do we choose our salvation or not? Is God sovereign or are we responsible? And so they come to the scripture saying, we can't really know which one is, is true. But I, I lean more towards this because it fits most with kind of how I see the world. So that, that's an area where I, I see pop up on application forms, that kind of stuff quite frequently. Can I jump in here and ask yep. a question that's based upon the way that, that um, Daniel phrased the question? Mm-hmm. And, and sorry, this is just a, somebody from outside of Abbotsford asking sure. a question. I mean, I've lived in Abbotsford now uh, close to like 11 years, coming on 11 years, so mm. I'm not really a massive outsider. But you guys use the phrase Bible Belt a lot for here. Now mm-hmm. I'm an American, and so that when I hear that, I think, yeah, Texas, uh, the southeast of the U.S. And so when you guys use that term, you 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 obviously you're using that compared or yeah relative relatively. 
So, so Abbotsford has more churches relative to Vancouver or, or what? Cause I've been in Kelowna, for example, and I think there's just as many churches in Kelowna as there are in Abbotsford. I certainly are more in Chilliwack than I think there are in Abbotsford. Mm. Like the Fraser Valley generally has more churches, I think, than, than other places. But I, I, I always think it's interesting that we call it the the Bible Belt mm-hmm. because, I mean, coming from the United States, Abbotsford's number of churches, like per capita, is equivalent to most secular Northern American cities. So mm. cities in in Seattle, like Seattle or Bellingham, which <clears throat> is south of here, and other ones that are are widely in the United States context viewed as being really liberal. Here, and those s- cities and with the same not yeah. the same numbers of churches per capita are viewed as the Bible belt. Mm. So I, I just think it's, is that a relative term or is that like, is, is it just because of the history? You guys use it because of the history of the place that there are a lot of Mennonite brethren who settled here and you know, honestly, uh, it's just something to my perspective is that I think it's a phrase, a term that's been just used sociologically describing this area by people primarily who live in the area. Um, so some names of, of people who have written about these issues, like Ron Dart comes to mind. He's a, a professor yep. at the University of Fraser Valley, and he's written about the valley and about Christians in the valley. He he is adamant in his language that Abbotsford is, that the Fraser Valley is the Bible Belt and that Abbotsford is the buckle of the Bible Belt. And in his mind, he's also lumping in with that a very... Um, conservative ideological framework that would look very much like uh, a Texan Republican viewpoint on the world. And so my, my take is that I've lived in Texas is that I I actually think that it's language that I'm sure has some evidence to, to make that claim, but I think it's an overstatement of the reality of, of what's actually going on in the Valley. I think the Valley is much more secular than than it has been presented in, I think in writings. A, I think there, I think in Abbotsford, um, there's two worlds. I think there's a Christian world, and there's a non-Christian world. And I think in Abbotsford, because we're so family-centric, and if you go to church, very church-centric, you can, and you work at MEI, and you send your kids to MEI or Abbey Christian, or uh, your kids go to CBC or whatever, you can spend your whole life in Abbotsford and and really almost never deal with a non-Christian unless you go out to a... a really? Uh, now, I, I'm saying this in terms of just real relationships. Like, not, like I'm not saying like if I go to the store, yeah, I'm going to see a lot of non-Christians in the store, but in terms of my... If I'm if I'm always hanging out with my family and I'm always going to church and my kids are always in a, a private school here in Abbotsford, I can I can stay in a Christian bubble really easily. Yeah. Even though there is a massive non-Christian population here. So I'm from the east side of Seattle. That's where I grew up. Uh, Redmond, Bellevue, Issaquah. Okay, which is the more conservative, politically conservative side of Seattle. No, no without a question. Once you get over the bridge in Seattle, you get into the uh, Rainier Avenue South, which is a, a economically depressed sort of area, but you know you get over into Ballard, and those the more have more historically been liberal. Queen Anne Hill, but on the east side of Seattle, places like where Microsoft and Nintendo, so they're both in Redmond, uh, Bellevue, which is a wealthier area. Uh, certainly, 
certainly more conservative. In fact, there's the paper over there. Used to, it was I don't know if it's still around. It used to be called the Journal American, and they used to always endorse the Republican for office. And the Seattle mm. Times used to always endorse the Democrat. Mm. So there you go. You get you get that. But <clears throat> I I don't know anyone. I, I don't know anyone in the east side of Seattle who would ever call the east side of Seattle a Bible Belt, ever. Mm. And yet, I'm going to tell you that there are probably there are more Christians per capita in that area than there would be here, mm-hmm. and more overt, especially in the United States, mm-hmm. than than here. And again, like I said, if you went down to Bellevue today and drove around, you would not come to some conclusion thinking, "Now, there's a lot of a lot of Christian people here," because they're speaking relative to. Uh, Tyler, Texas. Whereas yeah. if you went to Tyler, Texas, there's not a kid in the high school likely who does not attend church. Mm-hmm. Or when I say they're not a kid, there's like 80% of the kids in the church, kids in the school attend the church. Now that's to me is like Bible belt, like yeah. cultural Christianity, like has taken hold. But I just, after living in Abbotsford for the amount of time I have, I just don't see it that way. I mean, I know of some guys down at the UFV, and they view their their expressions to become. Some of the professors down there have said to me in the past that they view UFV as kind of a kind of a lighthouse, mm. you know, a, a a safe place among all these Christians. But that that has always sounded to me very like raison d'être. You know, like you, you the reason I'm we exist is to be this bastion of what they perceive to be truth in the midst of all this this Christian Christianized mm. stuff, and yet mm-hmm. I. I don't know. I, I look around Abbotsford. I would never call Abbotsford a Christian town. I, I don't think it's. I think there are p- some people who are Christians who are in government, but not that many. Uh, there are there are some on the on the city council. Our mayor mm-hmm. is a Christian, but yeah. but yeah, there's uh, yeah maybe. But that's not uncommon. Not half. I imagine that's that's not uncommon for other parts of of uh, Canada. I just think it's yeah. interesting how it affects the mm-hmm. way we sometimes think about our. our ourselves. And yeah, there are some challenges here, but the challenges here are not, uh, yeah, maybe I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm using out loud about it. No, I think it's, uh, it's interesting when you look at the, my work with local missions for a few years here made me look at a lot of demographic stuff and a lot of stats and all that kind of things, census information. Uh, There's no doubt that, that the Fraser Valley in general and Abbotsford in particular is one of the fastest growing in terms of its, uh, or let's say, most quickly declining in terms of its uh, Christian identity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is just plummeting statistically mm-hmm. uh, in terms of people's views of identifying their own self-identification as Christians, mm-hmm. not not their actual commitment to local churches or their uh, attendance of them, but just their on a census form, them looking at the form and thinking to themselves, well, I'm not an atheist, I'm not a Sikh, so I guess I'm a Christian. Even that number has has been plummeting. And so I, I think the narrative of, hey, this is a a Christian subculture, this is the buckle of the Bible belt, I think that's that's gonna be a narrative that fades, um, which isn't anything to be rejoiced in. The fact that churches are for more or less emptier than they used to be in Abbotsford is not a it's not a win for the kingdom here. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I think if you, if you go to a city and you can turn on the radio when you're driving through and you find, um, only on the FM dial, only one Christian station that's coming from the U S and on the AM dial, also only one Christian station is also coming from the U S it's hard to say that this is a, 
a real bastion for Christianity. Well, and, the, and those those stations, at least one of them, is coming out of Linden, which is the highest per capita church population in the U.S. Like, there's I think twelve thousand people in in Linden and something like a hundred and something churches. That's the oh, highest. Wow. That's okay. the highest. No, the 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 most. How do you say that? Mm-hmm. Dense. Those densely. Mm. churched part of the uh, of i think north america Mm -hmm. so whereas when i lived in orlando you flick through that station and you got you got many many uh christian stations on fm and am and it was like i was like holy moly i can't believe this Hmm. anyway it does something to our self-awareness is all i'm saying is that it it, is that sometimes you can end up thinking oh the baptist is the bible belt and it changes your viewpoint of the Society, what's expected, how people act. Uh, like I've been around again. I've been around in in baseball and other sporting things. And like, like my experiences, yeah, there are a lot of there are several Christian people, but none of those. Like if you go down to Texas or whatever, they're not going to make you do sports on a Sunday morning. But that doesn't happen here. And right. this, we're very they're very influenced by. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying it's a comparative term. Yep. Probably to Vancouver in yep. that regard. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Cool. Well, gentlemen, this has been a fascinating discussion. We've gone a lot over a lot of topics. I'm glad here. we fascinated you, Daniel. Oh, you did. And your hair uh, fascinated us. Oh, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, I think, closing this off. Thanks to our listeners for sticking out this long. If you're still with us. Wow, come on, that's not kind. Look at that. Can Barney like, close we it? Kill, yeah, we close killed it him off. Where's Barney? Greg. Okay, maybe not. Greg decided to start Barney, texting. Talking Greg's, about somebody who Greg's gave up. on his phone. He's checked out. Sorry, I thought you were wrapping up the show. No, you're you're part. Okay, wheels are off. We're, we're done. We're, we're done. Wheels are off we're the bus. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next week. Round and round and round.